Hey, what's up, DFAM? Welcome back to the greatest Houston-based podcast in the world, the Weekly D Podcast. I'm your host, Danny G. And today we got a very special guest. She's a singer. She's a writer, an actor. She's a sugar Barbie herself. Please allow me to introduce y'all to Simona Dimov. Hi. I'm so excited to have you on. I mean, it's been almost a year since we met you at Dogepalooza, which was a fun ride back then. But, I mean, it's been so long. I feel like we, we yeah. try to keep in touch, but everyone gets so busy. Well, that's good. Busy's good. Busy's always good, right? So how have you been? How has life been treating you? Yeah. Amazing. I would say amazing. I cannot complain. I feel like so much happened since Dogepalooza. I feel like... It was such an amazing event. I loved it. Like, it was so cool to do something for charity. Mm -hmm. And, oh my God, I feel like so much time passed. I can't even tell you what I've done. I had so many releases. I released a whole bunch of singles. I released, mm -hmm. like, a small EP right now. I have another EP coming on November 15th. And I will have releases basically every month, which is super exciting. I've been working in gaming. I've been doing a lot of voiceover. I've been doing some modeling, which is very surprising because I'm 5'3". But, I mean, hey, it worked. It and, worked, yeah. You know, I've been writing. I'm working mm -hmm. on a documentary right now. I don't know. I feel like I'm doing so many things. It's kind of, it's right? all so that's I think it would have been easier to ask you what have you not been up to <laughs> I have not been up to rehearsing my French <laughs> okay Acting, yeah 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 I, I, I like we were talking earlier I saw that you you were uh, once a French speaker <laughs> I mean okay I would say I'm still sort of a French speaker but I used to like I used to go there every summer I used to live there for a little bit and mm -hmm. I think when I moved to Los Angeles, it kind of, I was so focused on learning English, especially learning American English that I kind of mm -hmm. really like French in the back of my mind, you know, okay. it was uh -huh. very hard at first because I didn't really understand anybody. I swear uh -huh. to God, I was watching movies with subtitles. I, I remember this one time I was in an Uber and it was this super friendly uber driver with a very southern accent mm -hmm. but he was kind of like like missing some teeth so it was so hard for me i had no idea what he was saying like with the southern mm -hmm. and that super friendly guy and i have no idea what he was saying but i just like, noticed he was so excited about it and i'm like okay i think this is the moment when you laugh and i'm just i'm just there like ha, ha, ha. i hope he didn't say something really really horrible <laughs> I really, I had no idea what's going on. Yeah, that's amazing. You know what's crazy as you say that? that that's exactly how my wife and I both learned English. I was watching movies and shows with subtitles. Yes. Because my wife and I grew up, you know, Spanish speaking first. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, even though, like, I was born in America, so, like, I, but my parents were immigrants, and they mm -hmm. only spoke Spanish at the time. So, like, the quickest and easiest way to learn how to talk to the kids at school was to watch mm -hmm. English TV with subtitles. So that's so funny. It was, it's so good. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting, actually, I, 
feel like like it's the best when you learn it from native speakers because of mm -hmm. somebody that may not be as good at speaking English, they might teach you mistakes that they themselves make. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was definitely helpful. I watched a lot of the Big Bang Theory. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, because I felt like that seemed just like very American to me. So I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I gotta learn how to speak like Chinese. And <laughs> now I don't even know what happens in the show. I was so focused on like pronunciation that mm -hmm. I have no idea what it was even about. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My my go to was uh Friends. That's the one that oh, helped me a lot. I think uh -huh. I'm too young. But, really? but wow. I mean, I think Friends is long. Yeah, yeah, it was a good while ago. <laughs> I think it's still running. I think mm -hmm. you can stream it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's so funny because every time I I uh, meet uh, uh or English is your second language, every time I meet a person like that. I always like to ask them how, what was it that you did to learn and pick it up? Because I feel language. really third. I was I was raised in Germany and I was speaking Bulgarian though because I was I have, I have immigrant parents, so mm -hmm. I was speaking Bulgarian. And then when I went to kindergarten is when I started learning German, and then okay. later in school I started learning English, and then. I came to the U.S. to find out I didn't speak English. <laughs> I thought I knew, you know, like, I mean, my vocabulary wasn't the greatest. And, mm -hmm. you know, school English and then American English, those are two different things. Like, mm -hmm. I could maybe read a recipe of how to cook something, but it's not, I mean, you get along, but it's not the same, you know? Yeah, you especially with so much. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just saying you don't get humor. Like, humor mm -hmm. doesn't translate. So you need to really understand a language. You need to understand a culture and all of it together. You need to understand slang. Mm -hmm. We don't teach you slang in school. So if you're watching stand-up or anything that's, like, on the comedy side, I feel like if you're coming from, like, a more school background, you probably mm -hmm. won't get any of the jokes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. That's one thing school doesn't really teach is how to speak the slang. And then, I mean, America already is way different from Britain and their their English. And then on top of that, our slang differs from state. Like if you're in California, mm -hmm. the West Coast, completely different than the East Coast. And just like us here in Texas, like our slang is completely different. So I understand how difficult that is. I feel like slang also changes from generation to generation. So sometimes it's just so funny when it, I don't know, when it's just like slay or like, oh, she ate. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm just there like, oh, I'm getting now like through context what that means. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's funny. And I'm sure it must have been tricky, especially since, I mean, you're you're in the writing world now. So I'm sure you understand it a lot better. But, I mean, getting to that point, it must have been tricky to learn and kind of pick it up, especially since um, you came to Los Angeles, which is, like, the mecca of every mixing pot. It's Hollywood. It's all these things. So you get so many different slangs, so many different kinds of people. It must have been really tricky to navigate through all that. Yeah, actually. But you know what? I think every kind of slang 
that I have encountered that comes from a foreign minority seems mm-hmm. very logical to me. Then it's kind of like um, dialects within the U.S. are kind of like a little different. Like let's say someone's from Chicago or New York. I'm going to notice that there's a difference, but I couldn't place which one is in New York and which one is in Chicago. But I can, mm-hmm. I can obviously tell the difference between, let's say, someone that, that like if they have an accent, if they are from mm-hmm. like a Hispanic country or let's say it's Germans, they say hello, I know who they are. I'm like, <laughs> Germans, literally, they need to say one word. And I, mm-hmm. I'm like, so like, I don't know. I have this like German radar. It just, every time I hear a person say one word and I'm just like, Hey, um, are you German? And they're like, Oh my God, how did you know? And I'm like, am I offending people by like asking that? <laughs> but it's always working. I always know. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like a very specific accent when they, when they speak English? Yeah, it just, they, yes, it's a very, very specific pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And I think I get it because, for example, when I speak to people in Germany, sometimes let's say you say something like you use an English word or you want to say a name that's in the U.S., I will Mm -hmm. not pronounce it in an American way. I will pronounce it in a German way because it's it's kind of like weird when you speak to them. You you then say it kind of like Germanish the same way when I'm in Bulgaria, Mm -hmm. like let's say. I, I don't know, let's say I go to McDonald's and I want to order a Big Mac. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say, hi, can I have a Big Mac? Because then no one's going to understand me. I have to say Big Mac. Because otherwise, <laughs> they don't know what that means. So when I speak to them, I have to switch. Like, it was the same when I was going from German to Bulgarian. I would switch mm-hmm. and then I would speak to them in their own accent. <laughs> That's so funny. I completely get that, though. Because, you know, me being a Spanish speaker, um, I... I I have gone through that a lot, like learning the the accent of a Spanish speaker. Uh, um, and most of the time I can tell where they're from, like what country they're from, depending on their accent. Mm-hmm. But um, I completely understand what you're saying. Like, you know, a Hispanic will say Yumbo Yak because they really don't have a hard pronunciation on, on the J. Mm-hmm. And I mean, George Lopez wrote probably one of the funniest jokes about uh, Hispanics going through the drive through trying to order a Jumbo Jack. <laughs> But no, that that makes so much sense. I I should have thought about that before I asked. That was a dumb question. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it just really like they don't understand. And you know what? I also think when you go there, and let's say mm. you're speaking in this language the entire time, and then you throw in a word, and then you're gonna change your pronunciation now to say it like an American way. I feel like people perceive that a little bit as stuck up. Mm-hmm. It's just like oh my god, it's so, so um, you just like it's the best thing to just switch. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. So I was doing a little bit of research on you this week, and I learned that you were the valedictorian in your high school. Where did you find this? Um, so yeah, actually, that is correct. It's funny. I I was good at school. I was really yeah. good at school, and now that it kind of like is a little bit in my past. I really don't know why. I mean, <laughs> it's like, why did I waste my time on that? <laughs> just, like, I, th- I feel like my mom's still telling everybody like, oh my God, out of this and this many children, like, I don't, they have like a ranking system in the mm-hmm. um, region where we're from. And so I was ranked like, I don't know. I was like within the top people out of, I don't know. 
was it like 30,000? I don't remember. Like, it was Whoa. like a really big number. And they were, I mean, one of them. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, it was like kind of like, oh, that's cool. And my mom, mm-hmm. obviously, she, she told all the relatives, all her friends, everyone. She probably like called the president herself. I don't know. But <laughs> now I look back and I'm like, what did I really learn in school? And then I really actually realized the only thing that I learned in school is how to learn. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn any real skills. I feel like um, I really, really learned like how to do assignments. I learned mm-hmm. how to prepare for a test. I learned how to learn things because right now I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> And I, and I saw after being a valedictorian, you went to law school? Yes. Okay. So I didn't finish though. So my downfall. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, it wasn't because I sucked or something. But so basically the way it works in Germany is when you're like 17, 18, um, mm-hmm. you have your diploma. And then depending on how good your grades are, that's like what kind of studies you can do. And this is why I was accepted in a really good law school. and. I thought it would be kind of like Elle Woods in Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Um, so it it was not colorful. It was not fun. It was not creative at all. And I was always a creative person. I just didn't really have access to it back over mm-hmm. there. And the studies in Germany are really long. Like you study like really, really long. I don't know, seven, eight. Sometimes people study 10 years. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this. So I just literally packed a suitcase and came to Hollywood. That is so crazy. How did your family take it when you did that? How did your family take that when you decided to leave law school? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Everyone was just like, oh, you of all people. (laughs) And it's just so interesting because why, like, why should I do something just because I'm good at it that makes me so unhappy? Mm-hmm. And I never regretted leaving. Right now, everything I do is so enjoyable. And I'm like, what I actually really regret is that I didn't quit earlier. I regret going at all. Like, I, it was such a waste of time. And I'm, I'm not saying it's a waste of time for people that, you know, want to pursue this, but just, I'm, I'm not a big fan of going to do things for a certificate or for a degree Mm -hmm. like does it Mm -hmm. make me a better person because i have a degree in whatever i like or does it make you better like are you more skilled are you what i don't know Mm -hmm. a lot of people have degrees and they're just collecting dust um Mm -hmm. so i don't regret that i think it's great for everyone or i think it's great to study if you study something you love like right now i started going to ucla and i'm doing more writing classes for film and tv Mm -hmm. and i wish i would have done that i wish i would have done been in a music school i wanted to go to acting school actually and i went to an acting school secretly so i had a budget per month of like what i'm supposed to use and i've made this like crazy calculation of like okay if i eat this and this and this i was like planning everything like (laughs) i can buy this and this like 
I don't know, five canned beans, one like big pack of carrots, like this much. I have to plan everything so meticulously so that I have enough money left to secretly at nighttime go to film acting school. So I was going to acting school at nighttime and I really fell in love with it. And I had an amazing teacher and he really kind of um, motivated me. And he said, you know what? Like, you're actually really good at like on-camera stuff because mm-hmm. I'm probably not that good at theater things. And he told me, honestly, there is like not that much work for that over here. So he literally told me, go, go to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so I'll do that. But then I'm like, okay, what do I tell my parents? Um, and I kind of tried to like switch to remote studies, like making all of these excuses. Um, just trying to find a way because I knew they wouldn't understand in that way because it just like entertainment is not big there, especially coming from like a more conservative Eastern European background. It wasn't really accessible and it also Mm -hmm. didn't make sense. Like chances of your career going in any good direction are just pretty low. And so I just moved here and then I just called them and I'm like, Hey, I'm not coming back. (laughs) Oh my God. My mom was like, they were so mad. They were, they're still mad at me. There's everyone is so mad at me that I didn't finish law school. And I'm like, guys, I'm really good. And I mean, I feel like, I mean, literally I can make more money not being in law school. Just saying. (laughs) And, and you know, I'm just so much happier. And you know what I love like right now, because I'm, even though I'm working on so many things at the same time and it can be draining at the same time, I'm in charge of my time management. I hated that about school. I hated it that they told me when I'm going to be on break, when I have to arrive there, what class I'm going to study. I, I don't know. I maybe I have a problem with authority, but it just, um, yeah, it wasn't ideal. and. I didn't regret it. I really did not regret it. But for writing purposes, I did learn some interesting things in law school. Like um, over there, maybe it was just my school, but people can be really crazy. Like um, people would steal books. People would use like those black markers so that let's say we all have to write an assignment for whatever subject. They would go to the books take the information and then like paint it black so that no Whoa. one can like, yeah so like, no one can use it uh-huh. that's so messed up i know i'm like that's really not fun. yeah <laughs> but yeah and and it just um what i also honestly didn't like is um again it might be just the school that i was at but mm-hmm. people had that sense for feeling superior like everyone just because we are in law school and because it's so hard to get in which oh my god that reminds me again of Elle Woods and Legally Blonde mm-hmm. have, you, have you seen the movie yes i've seen it remember that scene when the guy comes up to her and be like oh my god you made it into harvard and she's like what like it's hard uh-huh. and i don't know i thought that was just so funny because everyone in my school was just like oh my god i'm the best um it's so hard to get 
into this. Only we are special and we're so much better than the people in medicine. And they were just so full of themselves. And mm-hmm. I didn't like that. And they would dress in like business attire. I'm like, what are you wearing? And one time I was running late and I wouldn't dress in like businessy clothes, but I would mm-hmm. wear like a dress shirt. And then one time I was just so annoyed and I was running late. I was wearing sneakers, jeans, and a hoodie. And again, I was running late. So I opened the door. 600 people turned around and looked at me. When I saw my outfit, they were like, oh, my God. Like, they were <laughs> so offended by me wearing a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I don't know. I didn't feel like I can, you know, you say that, and I literally picture it in my head. <laughs> like everyone just turning at you, like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. yeah, I also always would get in like arguments with the professors because I would make suggestions to change the constitution. So he would be like, "It's the constitution; we can't change it." But I'm like, this result that we had in whatever case it was, that just wasn't fair, and everyone agreed that it wasn't fair, but no one wanted to change the law or. Probably full full of good ideas there. Yeah, like, 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 you know, kill the young spirit. <laughs> I can see that happening in law school. I mean, that's the last place you think a creative person would be in. Because it just it just seems when you picture law school, it's just so like black and white, super down to business. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it'd be a lot of fun. I was like brainwashed into this ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, they would be like, "Oh, you're so outspoken. You should be mm-hmm. a lawyer." And they would repeat this and repeat this. So then I had like this whole idea of like I'm gonna be a lawyer. But in my head, I thought I'm gonna be a justice fighter. I thought okay. like that was one of the biggest things. I thought I would be there standing up for people, helping people mm-hmm. that needed working on like crazy cases against corruption and against the mafia and against all this <laughs> stuff. And then once I started to study this, I'm like, I don't really think that's what I'm going to be doing. Like, I don't think that's how it goes. I, in my head, it was all a movie. And in reality... <laughs> that's far from that. So did you... Yeah. Did you grow up watching a lot of movies? Or what inspired you to want to be an actress? I... You know what? I loved acting ever since I was a kid. I loved music and singing ever since I was a kid. I was songwriting when I couldn't even write. So I would just come up with like songs mm-hmm. and I would act like even by myself in front of the mirror. I remember this one time I'm standing there. I don't know. I'm like five and I'm coming up with this cool dance and like a song and I'm doing this. And I didn't realize my uncle was watching me. And then I come out, and I guess I had done it so many times. He knew the song. I'm like, oh, so it's catching, huh? So he knew the song and started, like, miming me and, like, making fun of me. And I was so embarrassed. But even then, I would come up with music. I would come up with um, – I would – anytime I would have, like, a school play, I would always, you know, be part of it. I would always try to be one of the, like, the characters. I would write my own plays even when I was – really young and i had this other friend she was also very um creative so we would write plays together and we were like in second or third grade we would write plays and then Mm -hmm. we would force the school to make it happen and they would like 
work like on sets and everything for us and we're like yeah duh and we <laughs> she always wanted to be like playing uh male characters mm-hmm. but it was super funny yeah we would always do yeah actually now that i think about it i feel like when i was younger like in school they actually gave you a platform to be creative but then when you get older you kill all of it <laughs> <laughs> that you have your fun while you're young, huh? <laughs> yeah, I I really, really love art ever since I can think. Yeah. But you know, Germany's also a country that's very harsh, I would hear. Chemistry. Everything is very like strict and precise and there is a lot of art. I mean Germany's the country of thinkers and writers. Some back in the day, but um, growing up, I felt more of the very strict vibes, engineering, everything like that's more serious and not creative. And also the other thing is uh, lessons and stuff like this are also very expensive. So not everyone has access to resources like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. how, how did you uh, get into like actually doing music? Because, I mean, I can see writing and acting from school, but music's like a whole other little piece there. Um. Okay, so first of all, I always wrote poetry. Um. So I was used to writing kind of in like a similar to music format. Mm-hmm. And then um, I really like had so many artsy ideas of music videos that I wanted to do. And I'm like, okay, well, if I want to do a music video, I need a song. Mm-hmm. And I started writing and all of this, and I thought, okay, maybe this is good. Maybe this is good. And then I started hanging out with so many musicians, and they just really inspired me to do music. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I can do this. But then I had the problem that I was scared to sing in front of people. I, because of like the situation with my uncle that I told you, where mm-hmm. I was like, so embarrassed, I was terrified to sing in front of people i was not like one time i think we have like a creative concert in i don't know sixth grade and Mm -hmm. i was studying since you've been gone by kelly clarkson and i'm like i'm gonna perform this and so i swear to god i was like i don't know i I don't have a mic right now but i was standing there like this and i'm like this was my performance i i could do it so good at home and then i'm standing there couldn't do it i had this blockage of um not being able to sing in front of people because i thought i sucked and then i did vocal coaching um mm-hmm. right before the pandemic and i had an amazing vocal coach and he you know like he first started teaching me matching notes and he made me sing like i like how am i how is he gonna coach me if i don't sing in front of him mm-hmm. And then he would tell me, oh, this sounds great. So we would do recordings. And first it was weird to hear your own voice. But because honestly, and very honestly, because he said that I did a really good job, I started believing. Mm-hmm. And now some people are going to be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and from there on, I started having this confidence. And then I could work with producers. and. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I always wrote all of my songs, like I wrote lyrics, melodies, and everything. So sometimes not every producer might be right for every song, 
So I would stand there and like sing my heart out, trying to show them like the songs and be like, this is it. And then sometimes they're like, eh. And then they gravitate towards a song that I actually don't even like that much. But mm-hmm. you had to get over, like, I had to get over this fear. And then the pandemic happened. And before I, like, so before the pandemic happened, I had a radio interview. And there was a DJ that I connected with. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, promoting a feature film that I had shot. And so we connected, but like, just like over social media. And then when the pandemic happened, I'm like, okay, everything's closed. I can't do movies. I can't do anything. I'm like, you know what? I have all of these songs written. I had hundreds of songs that no one has heard, that no one, like, that don't exist really outside of my head. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Now is the time to like do this. And so I reached out to the DJ. I'm like, hey, do you know a producer that would want to work? And he's like, yeah, I actually do. And so he set up a FaceTime because he lives in Orlando. And I was doing the FaceTime uh, with my producer. And I remember, I'm like, I don't really know how this works. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. It's the first time I'm going to work with a producer. And he basically kind of like asked me something like, hey, why should I work with you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I really want this. Um, and I'm just, and he's just getting bored and like yawning and whatever. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let me, let me just, just, just show you something. So I just started like doing my songs, like stuff that I've written. And he's like, Whoa, vibe. and he liked it. He's like, okay, let's start working. Before everything that I said was just horrible. He, he, I don't know. I was the most boring person, I guess he ever met. And <laughs> And so then I started working with him and I just fell in love with it because I felt like um, I can sing my emotions out Mm -hmm. because I feel like, I mean, that might just be me, but when I feel like, let's say I feel sad or I'm like super hyped or whatever, I'm not going to just go and do like a sad monologue by myself at home. (laughs) That wouldn't really be something that would help me, but Mm -hmm. writing and making songs like i would really feel it like especially with the right instrumentation um does that answer the question i feel like i said so much (laughs) no i mean that's so interesting i love that your response to that question and you said you write all your songs right and you work Mm -hmm. with a producer now that's amazing because i remember seeing you at dutch palooza and you did not seem like you've ever had stage fright in your life <laughs> during your performance <laughs> oh my God. well it was i feel like every artist has that your projection and i definitely think it was because in my childhood that rejection came from people i love and so um yeah, I was definitely scared. But then, you know, once I started performing, um, I, I can't really explain it, but it's like, I don't remember any of it. It's like when you have your outfit that you feel confident in, you have the songs that you, at this point, like, might always change, right? So um, when that happens, you kind of become like a superhero. And it's almost like an out-of-body experience. I literally remember my very, very first performance that I did. It was on Hollywood Boulevard at Madame Siam. It's a okay. club over there. Mm-hmm. And I remember I did, 
think I did two songs. I don't remember. Like, do you know these videos where everything is sped up? Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is how I was experiencing everything. <laughs> I felt like I'm moving like this. <laughs> and I guess I moved normally, but it just seemed so fast. Like, it was like, and then I did this, and I'm like, that's it? I'm like, I can do this? I put me back on there. I don't want to go. I need to go back. No, it was... um. I was having such a good experience and mm-hmm. the same at Doge Pusa, you know, I, I have been lucky that anytime I have performed, I've had very good audiences. I mean, mm-hmm. um, people were either really into it or they were at least neutral. <laughs> so it doesn't really um, make you feel a certain way because sometimes, and that's very rough to see, Audiences mm-hmm. are really mean to artists. Yeah. And it's just like, how about you go and stand on that stage and do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that I yeah, I don't I don't know what happens. It's just I guess there's something in there that Yeah. No, I understand it. You get like a uh like a performance high. I've heard people explain it as that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're there and you just feel like you're on top of the world i'm sure as a, as a singer you you're controlling the room you're seeing how everyone's reacting so i'm sure that is such yeah. like a heightening feeling um we we actually had a comedian last week on here two weeks ago and he was talking about that explaining how you know he he gets the most amazing feeling in the world when he's telling a story and he just takes a pause and he hears that everyone's just quiet waiting for him to say the next thing and I, I thought that was such an interesting way to put that feeling, right? Where you're just like controlling the whole room, and I'm, I'm sure you just feel like you're the king, the queen of, of the world at that point. Wow, I think that's so smart. I love that. Well, now that I think about it, like since you brought this up, I I think I was also always very scared of exams uh, when I was in school, and you know, you brought up like the whole dream like this. I mean, um, but to get to that point, like I was like just collecting points and points and points on every exam. I have never failed an exam in school, like never. And even though I've never failed an exam, every single time before an exam, I would become like I'm pale, mm-hmm. I would be nauseous, I wouldn't sleep, I would mm-hmm. feel like my heart is gonna be out of my chest, I would feel like I don't know anything. I'm sitting there, I'm like, what if I don't know anything? What don't know how to do this i would have like complete panic attacks then i do this i walk out of the room i don't remember anything same Mm -hmm. thing with performances before that i get so nervous i get so nervous i literally i'm like about to vomit (laughs) and then Uh and then once you do it i don't know what happens it just feels like like some kind of release but in the most positive way Uh uh-huh that's i feel like that's perfectly said i i wish i understood that a little bit better i mean the closest thing i've ever had to that feeling is i used to be a a mechanic and i was a master engine builder so i used to rebuild engines and i would feel the same exact nerves every time i would build an engine and i knew i did everything perfect i would still always feel like i was about to throw up when i was about (laughs) to touch the engine because you know like you know you did it right you know you, you can do it but it's you just want to make sure it runs and you're good to go. But yeah. that's the closest thing I've ever been to that feeling is just the nerves I would feel when I would have to start that engine for the very first time. 
You know what? I feel like that's also a kind of respect towards the art or mm -hmm. task. And I feel like when people get too confident in what they do, that's when mm -hmm. they make mistakes. Like yeah. people that, let's say they've done something a million times and they think they're on top of the world and they're so much better than everyone and they know it so well. That's when they become like negligent. They make mistakes. There are errors. And I think it's good to be nervous when you're doing mm -hmm. something that's important to you or, I don't know, like, let's say you're a pilot. I hope you're taking it seriously when you're flying people. But um, I feel like that shows that you really care. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just like, oh, whatever, I'll just figure it out. You're not, like, taking it that seriously, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfectly mm -hmm. said. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, next question, Simona. Um... How would you describe your music? Like, if you had to describe it in one okay. word or one phrase. Um, I would say almost like a split personality or bipolar in a not mental way. But right now I have, so I had a release right now, right? The Sugar mm -hmm. Barber release. And then I have a release November 15th. And then I have like as I said, I'm gonna do monthly releases mm -hmm. like about monthly. And the music is kind of two different people. <laughs> One part is very upbeat, very confident, very sassy. The mm -hmm. other part is kind of more vulnerable, a little bit more introverted, and I guess you could say a little depressing or jaded or um damaged um <laughs> and yeah that's because you know i would say it's just layered and it has different facets of me because every human has so many facets like when you speak to let's say a sibling or then you go speak to your mother you're not going to be the same person mm -hmm. and then you go you're with a person you're in a relationship with or your teacher you have those masks almost for every single mm -hmm. person and it's good that you have so many different versions of you but i feel like sometimes artists tap into one thing that they're good at and then mm -hmm. they just sit there and i feel like i just personally i love so many different styles of music i feel so many different ways some days I feel like I'm having the best life ever. And another day, day I might be crying like crazy. Because, <laughs> I don't know. How are we going? Um, so, oh, come so, on. You can't let guys break your heart. Isn't that beautiful? I, I think you're the heartbreaker in that situation. <laughs> God, I wish. I wish. I wish. Um, Maybe. I hope not. Actually, no, I don't wish. <laughs> Let's like. I used to think when I was younger, when I was in high school, I mm -hmm. thought it was so cool to break hearts. I thought it was like the coolest thing because it kind of like gave me some power, I guess. Mm -hmm. Now I really live by the motto. If I cannot bring anything good to your life, I don't want to be in it. I don't want to do anything like where I influence people in a negative way. And I mm -hmm. might have done that at times. So I would just rather distance myself and allow people to 
not have a toxic attachment to me or Mm -hmm. any kind of negative feelings. Um, But yeah, this is why I would say my music is split because Mm -hmm. I got to have music for every mood, you know, to have something to cry to, something to, I don't know, to dance to, something. um, And another reason why I think um, I'm having those two versions it's also because i work with different people and mm-hmm. if just let's say i work with someone who's really good at poppy sounds how am i not gonna make a song when i love the sound and then mm-hmm. i meet someone else and he's very good at like those kind of like smooth chill rock sounds mm-hmm. but when i fall in love with it i need to make the song i can't yeah. say like hey well my last release was very poppy so now i can't do this like yeah i can because it's true to me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I like that. Yeah. I, like I that. can't wait to see what you think about all the upcoming releases. And it's it's kind of um, weird as an artist to mm-hmm. when you do releases because a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times the music that you're releasing has been done for a long time. So mm-hmm. you're already working on five other projects and you're, doing something completely different sonically, but then Mm -hmm. you're releasing something and promoting a track that you did a year ago. Mm -hmm. Does it, does it feel like it brings you back to that moment when you listen to those older tracks? Oh yes. I always remember why I wrote what I wrote. I remember where I recorded it. I remember Mm -hmm. how I felt, for example, the sugar Barbie song. I remember it was, I usually don't do late night recordings. Mm-hmm. but i was so mad i was so mad i went in there i completely recorded this with no autotune almost in one take and mm-hmm. i'm just like okay that's it i need to go home and sleep like <laughs> it was just, i was just in such rage that they um that i i remember yeah it was it was pretty funny um and we actually didn't like so the producer is a friend of mine from Germany. Mm-hmm. So I had to remotely record it here. And I don't know, it was an error that happened. It wasn't planned to um, have me record without autotune. Because there's usually nowadays always a little bit of autotune mm-hmm. on it. It's mm-hmm. standard. Um, so it wasn't planned to not do it without. But we did a mistake or somehow mm-hmm. it happened. And then I sent it over. My producer is like, that's tight. We're we're doing this. That's it. Oh, that's so interesting. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's um, it was fun. It was a fun yeah. song. It was very like, I feel like sometimes um, people might misunderstand that my my music is very pro women, mm-hmm. even though I think sometimes it doesn't come off that way. But usually, like, the overall theme is more like, no matter what guy, no matter what circumstance, I'm going to feel good. You're not going to break my heart. And then they go ahead and do it anyways. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like this is the overall thing that connects every single song, and it doesn't matter what genre it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I never wanted to... You know, compete with other women. I know some women are like that. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to 
to like I want what's for me mm-hmm. and if I can't have that then whoever picks it up. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's good though. You're having fun with your music and you're making music you like. I I feel like that's the most important thing as an artist or in anything you do, right? When you're doing something you like, it, someone else is going to like it. Like yeah. I, I'm a very big believer of that. Like w- whatever you like, if you make it for yourself, there's going to be someone in this world that's going to like it. And then someone that knows them is going to like it. And I just, I find art so fascinating on how that works, right? Mm-hmm. When you're true to yourself, it tends to do a lot better because there's always people that, I guess, gravitate towards genuineness. Mm-hmm. And then if the art's great, like it just, it always does way better. It's so interesting to me. Honestly, I really had to learn this because especially in the beginning, everyone was in my ear and people would be like, oh, you need to do this. You need to do do a song like this. Do a song like this. Don't sing like that. Don't sing like this. Sing like that. Don't sing at all. Just talk. Just maybe rap. Do this. Do that. And I'm just like, well, right now I feel like I want to do this and that. No, you shouldn't do it. You're not good at it. And it's like, okay, but I feel like if you really believe in something, mm-hmm. you will make someone care. Or you at least have the opportunity to make someone care. And a lot of times, like, even a lot of songs that I like, mm-hmm. you know, later on I was kind of, like, analyzing them. I'm noticing that it actually doesn't sound that good. Like, like I'm thinking, oh, that person could have maybe, like, had a better vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has that feeling and that emotion of that person. I actually mm-hmm. like that it's slightly off in some way. Mm-hmm. So, and who am I to say to somebody, you should or you shouldn't do something? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless, it, you know, like if it hurts someone else, okay. But <laughs> I, I don't think um, people should tell you what to do because if you love it, that's mm-hmm. good enough. If you really love it, someone else will but if Mm -hmm. you're indifferent or you're just doing something because someone else tells you how is someone else supposed to like this yeah exactly exactly that that's so so well said um and it's funny you say that how you were saying that that the song was imperfect because that reminds me of like one of my favorite bands of all time is sublime Mm-hmm. and sublime was never like clean cut like the singer was good but he wasn't great but every time you listen to the music like they had such a vibe that you can feel that it's a genuine thing that they're just having a great time you know making that music and recording it at that moment so that's really interesting the, the way you put that yeah i i actually love hearing people's voice crack because they're mm-hmm. in an emotion i'm not a fan of perfect Mm-hmm. Even though I feel like every day I would like everything to be more perfect in mm-hmm. my personal work, but when it comes to other artists, I never like perfect. I actually mm-hmm. like seeing the imperfections, and um, as long as other people feel the same way, I feel like you can discover so more, so much more art. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's that's pretty- like, you know, um, if it was perfect. I don't know. It would be like AI or something. Or it'd be boring, right? It'd, yeah. it'd get boring. Um, especially if it was AI. I don't think AI is that good right now. <laughs> I know. I'm. And, I mean, you're you're a writer in Hollywood, in Hollywood, and in that 
world of entertainment. How do you feel about uh, AI and like the way they've been trying to implement it in movies and writing? Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of uh, different story uh, writings for other people as well and helping mm-hmm. them. And it's so funny because they're like, oh, just use AI to help you. So I'm like, okay, I'll try. Oh my goodness. I want, I was, um, when I saw what AI gave me, I'm like, okay, my job is safe. <laughs> I will be totally fine because um, I think. AI kind of works if you're writing something more corporate, mm-hmm. I guess, or something that's purely based on information. But anything that's supposed to have character is not is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And some things like the good things that you want AI to do for you, they don't do it. I one time I one time was saying I was um sitting with someone that i really care for and Mm. so we were next to each other and i'm asking ai hey can you tell him that he's an asshole and ai literally said that's not a nice thing to say no we cannot give you a way to explain that to him like wow they refused the task um i yeah i it just sounds it really just sounds like a robot I, this yeah. is why I haven't been concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's missing that human touch. And at the moment, from what I've been seeing, I don't think technology can replace human emotions, feelings. And 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 I feel like we cannot explain what mm-hmm. makes someone an artist. We cannot explain how someone has that crazy vision of some sort. How do they? Mm-hmm. We can't really explain where those ideas come from. So I feel like it will be very hard for AI to replicate that if we don't even understand where this comes from. Like, where does creativity come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's really interesting. Um, I agree with you, though, that AI isn't all there yet. And even, like, the videos, I, I don't know if you've seen TikTok or if you have TikTok, mm-hmm. but um, TikTok is, start, is starting to have a big, like, breakthrough with, AI videos of like Joe Rogan saying something or like mm-hmm, big podcasts yeah, or, or big that, yeah. news. But then if you listen closely, it sounds so weird because it sounds like he's reading a script, but he's pausing at every desk at every period, and it just mm-hmm. like the the cadence isn't right. And I mean, you can obviously tell it's AI. I just I find it so interesting, um, especially because I was I was reading about it, especially when the the SAG and the Writers Guild had their strikes. I was trying to learn more about, like, why they're trying to implement AI. And I found it really interesting that, you know, some studios want to scan actors and their faces and do the AI that way. And, like, you being an actress, like, I I, I really want to know your thoughts on that. Um, okay, that's so interesting because I actually did that. Um, I'm working on a virtual project, basically. And, like, they scanned me, but right now, or they're, like, creating, like, a virtual version of me. Um, and I remember, I remember it was, actually, it was so funny. So I had a really amazing, huge listening party. Mm-hmm. And this came up, but the place is so big. There's so many people in all corners. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, doing something. And I hear at the very end, like, there's so many people everywhere at the very end. 
I'm just hearing the sentence. So one day when Simona isn't young anymore. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> so I run there. I'm like, what did you say? They look at me. They're like, how did you hear this? You were on the other side. I'm like, I have readers to this. I know exactly. Like, I know something was happening that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And basically, it was about like, oh, this virtual version of you will preserve your essence. And I'm like, hey, I hope like, you guys like me still when I'm old. But um, <laughs> it was so interesting because another part of that is that you can record voiceovers. And then, mm -hmm. if you, like, let's say you do a video game or something, this, you don't even need to be there. You. Sure. You're, you're getting paid for all of this and, and I just feel like in my case I had a very like cool team that I work with and they are very fair and have morals so I'm not concerned about working on a project like this I feel like it's more concerning when people are forcing actors to give them their rights when they're forcing them to do things that they just don't want to do if you want to do it and you're protected, why not? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That we're back. Sorry about that. <laughs> I had a knock at the door. I had to go take care of it real quick. But um, back into what we're talking about, I I really find your perspective on AI so interesting, and the fact that you did a virtual scan. Like I, I feel like you're always. I trying to stay one step ahead of the game because I, I mean, just talking to you today, like I, I really get that they, you're like trying to stay one step ahead and catch that wave. That's so interesting. And you have no fears about AI, like them trying to use it without your permission. Honestly, no. I mean, I feel like I would rather be concerned about people doing things with AI that you don't know because it will be very like let's say i know who i have given rights to i know what they plan on doing so i have access to like i can see their platforms i can see where things are on so if there was anything against my will i would immediately see because i'm like following it and everything i mm -hmm. think it's more concerning if people can use ai with you as a character or a face Mm -hmm. where you had no part in it or you haven't been scanned or you haven't given anyone any permission like those deep fake um ai i don't know what you call them yeah. yeah um i find that very concerning just because i feel like it can be very image damaging especially because let's say you make a fake video of you saying something that in some way is damaging to you there are always those people that have seen it and they're like, no, 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 I'm sure this is real. I'm sure this is real. And mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's very concerning, like that mm -hmm. people try to either, I don't know. Manipulate? Yeah, yeah. Use you, maybe make profits, monetary mm -hmm. benefits. That's more concerning. I. The rest, I mean, technically, you know, there's always something that can happen. I, I mean, even in movies, sometimes you film a scene and you might not be aware of the angle that it might be very revealing. Mm -hmm. They don't, sometimes they might not tell you. And then you see it in the movie and you're like, you guys didn't tell me that you were showing my underwear the entire time. I think mm -hmm. that happened to Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the, the chair scene, right? Yeah, I yeah. like they they tell the actor one thing, and then the reality is very different. Um, I had a friend going through something similar, and mm. this happens on you know like like it can happen anywhere, anywhere. with AI, movie set. It can even be at your job. I mean, at like a regular job, anything. Mm-hmm. I guess one thing, thinking about it now, like with you doing AI so early and doing that virtual scan and knowing who has it, I, I guess in a way it's easier to track, no? Because yeah. there's a real image, like real license of parts of your image already used. So mm-hmm. if it were to pop up on the internet, I'm sure if someone like faked it or stole it, I'm sure it'd be a lot easier to track and more easier to yeah. build a case and I again. The guys that I'm working with, mm-hmm. they are just like they are so about their product and their ideas mm-hmm. that if they would see that someone uses their work, oh my god, they would go. Um, what was that movie? Was it Taken? Uh huh. Where he Where goes to bring his daughter back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. they would go taken mode and be like give us our ai back <laughs> and um yeah you know maybe the only kind of questioning part is um i don't know where all of this is at legally because usually mm-hmm. when there's a new invention laws take a little longer so mm-hmm. um i hope that they can kind of figure out some protection for people early on yeah, yeah there are risks in everything you do i mean want to live risk-free you don't know never you're not gonna live no that's that's so true no that that's so interesting i'm so curious how the rest of it's gonna play out like later down the line right because i I mean with you doing it so early i'm sure there's a lot of benefits to it just like there will be later down the line. I just, I don't know. I, it's, it's a really interesting topic to me. I'm, I'm glad I finally got to talk to someone in that world, you know, to, to really ask that question. I just feel like everything is in such an early stage. I have mm-hmm. no idea what it's actually going to look like, what, how it's going to be used. I feel like right now people are kind of trying to secure rights and product to, because I don't even think the people that are involved in this they don't even know what's going to happen who's supposed to know what's going to happen yeah yeah it's kind of like nfts when they came out everyone was like oh what is that (laughs) that was the new shiny thing (laughs) but anyway simona um we we got to know you quite a bit today and uh i really want to thank you for coming on the show this has been a lot of fun it was very interesting um the topic on ai was interesting and um i just i want to know like what projects are you working on now what are you excited about i know you're releasing music once a month which is extremely exciting to always get new music from you but what else are as in the plans that you can talk about Okay, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Actually, it was so fun. I had so much fun when we did the first podcast like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, November 15th, I have a new release. It's called Figaro. But right now I have my Sugar Barbie EP. I have my single Pretty Girl Sins, which I love. Um, I have my single Why'd You Hate Me and all the music that's mm-hmm. coming up. I'm working on the game Fire Sky. It's a fantasy game, and it's basically like dodgeball with fireballs. It's super fun. You can look it up. It's um, announced, and I'm 
basically the spirit guide. And I tell you, you know, all the crazy things about the crazy backstory about the worlds and how, like, it's basically, a, even though it's, um, it involves gods and all of this, it's, it's a very human story. It's a, you have the ups, the downs, the battles, all of this. Um, it's really cool. You can look it up. Yeah, it's so much fun. We'll look it up, and I'll definitely have Alan, you know, add a screenshot mm-hmm. of their Twitter on on the screen mm-hmm. uh, and post. Um, that's so exciting! You're, you're doing video games, you're doing music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's amazing. This has been probably one of the most fun and interesting podcasts I've done in a while. So, oh, thank, thank you. you again for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure, and I hope you come back someday and we get yes, to do this all over again. Yeah, of course. It's been so much fun. I mean, you've always been great vibes from the first day we met you at Doge Palooza. Um, it was very enjoyable. You're very pleasant. You're fun to talk to. You're interesting. <laughs> and yeah, this this has been a great podcast. Thank you so much. Um, right now, I'm gonna give you a chance to just promote yourself. You know, tell people where they can find you. We'll put on the, the board behind me that way everyone can see it. And it's your time to shine. Tell tell the people where we can find you. Hey guys, it's Simona. You can stream all of my music on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere. Follow me on Instagram. It's at Simona Dimov or on TikTok at official Simona Dimov. I am super excited for all of my new releases and I hope you stream Figaro November 15th. Perfect. Thank you so much, Simona. Thank you and congrats on getting married. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm such a lucky guy to be married to my wife. And yeah, thank thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. This has been so much fun. It's been great catching up with you. We'll definitely be looking out for your new music. We'll be looking out for new projects. If you ever need help uh, promoting something, just shoot us a message on Instagram, tag us. We'll be more than happy to share it around to our followers. Thank you again for listening. And everyone, thank you for tuning in, for joining us, for listening to this podcast. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star review. Go follow Simona on all social media go stream her music uh this has been the weekly d i'm danny g and thank you guys for listening bye